This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's Betting the Ponies on the Bet Rivers Network. It's a mid February edition of Betting the Ponies right here on the Bet Rivers Network. Monzo. And Malusis with you. We got a big weekend coming up at the fairgrounds in New Orleans. Could be some weather in the mix, some some rain, a little bit of moisture in the ground. We'll take that into account as we go through the races. Moves five big races and another Kentucky Derby prep as we get closer to that first Saturday in May. Now, what are we looking at here? Two, two and a half months away. It'll yeah. be before we know it. Um, a lot of horses go postward in the Risen Star and four other good stakes races actually five other we're going to go through four at the fairgrounds moose what's going on how you doing i'm good uh you know i'm good uh, i'll be down in philadelphia this weekend for a hockey tournament for my son jackson i'm looking forward to uh you know the the stadium series this weekend out at metlife here on the east coast and uh and some good racing down at the fairgrounds which we're going to talk about on saturday so we've got um you know, four or five big uh, stake races on Saturday at the fairgrounds. So looking forward to it. It'll be just a matter of weeks where we've focused traditionally on one track and some of their good races, but we'll have to go over the country because there's going to be prep races everywhere each and every weekend, multiple tracks. Um, So we're looking forward to getting into that, but a a good late pick five at fairgrounds starting in, and it's an all stakes pick five starting in race 10, which is the Albert stall. It's a memorial race, $100,000 on the line, Phillies and Mares, and it's a mile to 16th on the fairgrounds. Terrifying. We talked about this track many times, not only on the podcast, just in general, where that long stretch makes it very interesting where you think you have the race set, you think you have the race won, and someone comes flying late. It makes it very interesting. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. Uh, so just because a horse takes a lead at the top of the stretch doesn't necessarily mean they're going to... Uh, be able to last that long stretch down at the fairgrounds. I think it's a fun track. Um, you know, what is it? Vince Dooley is the track announcer. You know, brings back memories of uh, Arlington Park and the Arlington Million. Uh, I think he gives you a good call, kind of a straightforward call. Um, and uh, uh, I, I think you, you, this is kind of the track you focus in on one of the tracks. Oaklawn being another, obviously Santa Anita. Uh, you know, when Belmont was open, um, you know, as we inch closer and closer of Gulfstream Park, as we inch closer and closer uh, to the Kentucky Derby, which you opened up the podcast talking about it. So I think the fairgrounds is a fun track. I think it plays pretty even. I think you can see the p- horses went on the pace, just off the pace or coming from behind. I think the turf course plays pretty fair. I don't think it's one of these cases where uh, it's like they're running on concrete and favors front end speed. So um, I always like uh, a, a good Saturday racing at uh, at the fairgrounds. So my, my top pick in this race, I'm going to go a little different here. My top pick in this race, and I think it's going to set up well. I like the way he's running. Um, I should, yes, 
I like to say, say I like the way she's running, and that's the three creative Cairo. Um, they run really well at the fairgrounds. Um, has some ability when it's wet. Can come off the pace, runs well at the distance. But here's the, a little curveball I'm going to throw at you. And I really like the fact that her late speed number is very good. She's, of course, she's going to come flying no matter what. And I trust Giro at a track like this. He's winning at 27%. But looking up and down this field and his past performances, what horse do you think I wanted to play and backed off, knowing my style? What horse do I think you wanted to play? Right, what horse looking fancy at? Fancy Martini. No, no, no. I wanted to play not so close because you know me. You know, relatively decent speed on the front end. I just don't think this horse has the ability to hang on to the distance. But you, I see this a horse that consistently goes to the lead, has held on in the past, good good connections, you know, 6-1 at a price. I just don't think this horse is good enough to hold on, unfortunately. But that that is a horse that I will be keying in on exactas and trifectas. I just couldn't get not so close uh, as my top pick. I'm going to use Creative Cairo. It's a good field. It's a hard field. And I hate the fact that I'm using such a short price. Not the favorite. Spirit and Glory goes off as your morning line favorite 3-1, to one, which is tricky to me because the horse ran four times last year and hasn't run it this year. So to have that horse coming in of such a short price, can't really figure out that morning line. Red well. I mean, the horse is 4 for 15 Really solid career, but creative Cairo, I think, will get a little bit of a setup. I do think the horse not so close will be on the lead with a couple other speed horses. And I trust, I know Drew gets a lot of uh, slack and gets a lot of flack, rather. Um, but I trust him at this track. I've seen him do it over and over. So creative Cairo, 7-2 under morning line, my top pick in the Albertstall. Yeah, I went with the morning line favorite, Spirit and Glory. Um, you know, I, I get the, the concern, uh, you know, hasn't raced in a while. However, you know, last time had a little bit of a break, ran well, uh, fresh. It wasn't as long of a break. It's not as long of a break as it was this time. You know, however, you know, 87, 90, 84, 86, Falcone, your guy, Flavion Pratt, hops on a board, an Irish bread. Um, you know, workman like works, um, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, when you looked at it coming out of the yellow ribbon, a grade two event, ran the Eaton Town at Monmouth, a grade three event, ran in the Endeavor, a grade three event down in Tampa last February. Um, you know, I, I think has improved here. Uh, and I think it's a positive sign that Flavion Pratt hops on a board. I went with Spirit and Glory. I'm gonna throw not so close underneath, uh, the eight at six to one on the morning line. Um, you know, Santana for Norm Cassie. Um, I, I understand your concern about whether or not he's going to be able to hold on late. Uh, didn't show it that he could in his last race at Keeneland Allowance event in October. Had a freshening off that. I think the bullet workout uh, on February 9th at the fairgrounds where he went five furlongs and 59 and two, uh, best out of 24 that day, tells you that this horse, a, um, a daughter out of Empire Maker, is ready to go. But, um, I landed on the horse I thought was a, a little bit classier um, at three to one on the morning line. I understand she's by no stretch of the imagination or is the five year, uh, five year old mare uh, a lock in this race, but that's where I felt the most comfortable making an investment. So that's where I landed the five spirit and glory. The eleventh race at the fairgrounds, the second leg of the pick five is the mine shaft, the grade three events, a mile and a sixteenth on the dirt for four years uh, old and upward. Red Route 1, 5-1 to one in the morning line is your inside horse, Moose. And it feels like Red Route 1, who's only four, we've seen this horse show up in so many of these races, going back to the Southwest, the Arkansas, going back to the, the West Virginia Derby, the Belmont. I feel like this horse is older than four. Doesn't it feel like this horse has been around for a long time? 
Yeah, it does. You're right about that because he's ran a lot. I mean, when when you look at Red Route One, um, you know, has has answered the call. Um, you know, has run 16 times over the course of his career. A son of gun runner. Um, never really been a huge fan. Uh, and you and I both like Steve Asmussen trained horses. Uh, just don't love his running style. At one point in time, was coming from well off the pace. They've tried to put him closer to the pace, but now that has kind of extinguished uh, his uh, ability to close in the stretch as well and has become a little bit more of a, a one-run type of runner. It's been a while. I mean, he hasn't won since last August down to Mountaineer in the West Virginia Derby where he fired a 92 buyer speed figure. Um, you know, even though he's gone postward 16 times, has finished in the money on nine of those occasions, winning three of them. But you're right about that. It feels like he should be a five-year-old. <laughs> uh, looking up and down this field, best actor three to one on the morning line is one of your speed horses. Gasolina showed some speed in the past. I'm going to use a horse that's going to come off the pace, and we do see Smile Happiness race, who has been a little bit of a letdown the last couple of races. We know our buddy John loves that horse. Uh, Happy American, I used in Louisiana last out, ran okay uh, at the big price of twenty three to one. Didn't get it done, but I was happy with that. You know, finishing third on a 23 to one shot, certainly happy about that. But I'm going to pick a horse, and this is going to be a tricky spot for me because the horse I like is cross entered. But I'm going to assume, based on history, that they're going to stick with this race because it's it's on the dirt, and that is going to be the seven money supply for Joe Sharp, Tyler Gaffleyone, uh, cross entered in a race later on in the evening uh, in a turf race. But last couple of races, we're in the slop, and we're talking about potentially some moisture in the ground. Ran really well. In fact, put up some of the best buyer speed figures uh, of his career. Out of practical joke, they paid $400,000 for this horse. Horse is 5 for 16. Horse is 5 for his last 7. 8 to 1 in the morning line. Uh, getting better as a 5-year-old, I think, and certainly relishing the slop. Has run well at the fairgrounds. Has run well at the distance. It's a good price. We know a Tyler, Tyler. I know Tyler Gaffleyone the last couple of weeks has put on some odd rides, and we've talked about it, and we've seen it because we've picked some of his horses, but uh, I think makes a lot of sense in this spot at the price. Some of the horses that are shorter, are speed horses, horses that have a run, a horse like Red Route 1, who we don't love overall the running style, I think you're getting some value here at a horse that should be coming late, and that's money supply. Seven, uh, eighth one in the morning line, you're seven horse. Yeah, I landed on uh, the four gasoline for Todd Pletcher and John Velasquez for uh, a couple of different reasons. First off, um, you know, the buyer speed figures do fit. Uh, if there is, excuse me, if there is moisture in the ground, uh, has a 416 rating when you're looking at a wet rating, um, I think is getting better. Uh, you know, this gelding at a curlin. he is a five-year-old, uh, workouts have been good. Uh, they've been really, I mean, pretty impressive when you look at it, especially as of late, uh, the tightening up the February 2nd, February 10th workout, uh, when you're looking at, uh, down at Palm beach, but, uh, 101 buyer speed figure at Churchill Downs, uh, comes to the fairgrounds, has never run there. Uh, however, I, I think this is, uh, I think this is a gelding that's getting a little bit better here for Todd Pletcher. I like the fact that the veteran, uh, the old man, John Velasquez hops on a board, uh, fifth race off of the layoff. Uh, I think he fits with this group. Um, you know, I would use best, best, I understand why best actors, your morning line favorite three to one on the morning line. I'm going to think that Gasoline uh, is going to be uh, forwardly placed, sitting just off of Best Actor. Uh, need him to be contested a little bit. 
I do think that if there is moisture in the ground, uh, both of these horses should appreciate it. Best actors, obviously, one for two and come in the money two out of two times when there's been moisture in the track and there is some rain in the forecast out at the fairgrounds um, over the course of the weekend. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, but I landed on the four gasoline for Fletcher and Velasquez. Before we move on to the next race, I want to talk a little bit about Smile Happy, the nine horse, all the way to the outside. You know, it, the horse had a good run up into the Kentucky Derby. Didn't do much in the Derby. That was an odd race anyway. You and I have talked about the epicenter of Zandon fiasco and, and Rich Strike, you know, screwing us both essentially. And then, you know, as a four-year-old, seemed to turn a little bit of a corner and really freaked in the Ali Sheba, putting up a 110 buyer. And we thought maybe – you know, Smile Happy was coming into his own is going to be one of the dominant older horses. Stephen Foster, Louisiana, just completely faded to nothing. What do you think has been the reason for the downfall here? Just just unlucky, just, you know, tougher competition. It's just it's been an odd thing because, you know, we talked to John and Orange, who's a friend of ours, and we have a group chat and he loves this horse. He's always been on the Smile Happy bandwagon and certainly been a little bit of a letdown the last couple of races. Yeah, I, I don't know if I necessarily could explain it, but yeah, it has been. Uh, has not necessarily been the same. He's five to one on the morning line on Saturday at the at the fairgrounds. Maybe uh, he need a little bit of a freshening. Excuse me, sorry. Uh, maybe he need a little bit of a freshening. Uh, you know, he came back though, was well back five to two in the Louisiana Grade Three event. Didn't run particularly well. I don't know. All coming off that race, if you believe, even though I respect Ken McPeak as a trainer. Brian Hernandez is a good jockey. I don't know if I necessarily could expect him to all of a sudden move forward once again. Uh, we're a long way away from what he looked like, uh, you know, last May and last July and last, you know, March, uh, where he's firing out 101, 110 buyer speed figures. We're a long way away from that when you're looking at Smile Happy and the buyer speed figures are going in the wrong direction. So, uh, Maybe it's a case of just getting older, hasn't suited this horse particularly well, um, but it doesn't look like he is on the ascent, and it would be tough for me to back him on Saturday in the 11th at Fairgrounds. The 12th at the Fairgrounds, which is the third leg of the pick five, beginning of a late pick three as well, and that's the grade three Fairgrounds, a race that I've always loved. I love these mile and eighth turf races. I've said it before. It's my favorite distance, whether it's on the dirt or the turf. Mile you do love these. I love a mile and eighth. It's just, it's, it's because I, I, as I say, it's not a, a marathon. No, but, you know, so the fractions, you know, mean something and uh, low in speed means it's just a good distance to me. I think you get the most evenly run race in a mile and a Now, my question for you is this race. For, are you going back to the horse that on this podcast we backed in his last two races, uh, both at the fairgrounds? And that's the 10 beatbox at seven to two on the morning line for DeVoe and Joel Rosario. Right. So, I'm uh, yes, that's my going to be my top pick, and I'm also going to use the horse right under him, Harlan Estate, who really flopped last out, um, but was really well behind and at a good price at 6-1. to one. So I'm going to use Beatbox, who I think the extra eighth of a mile is going to really appreciate. Um, even though he hasn't done it before, he's run well at the fairgrounds. You know, we know how strong of a closer Joel Rosario is. I do think we might be in a situation where we might be looking at strong quality and Beatbox again dueling down uh, you know, as we get close to the wire, but I think the extra distance is going to help them. Uh, you know, look at the last race they were in. You look at, at the Bradley, you know, strong quality. I mean, it, it was able to put up mild fractions, you know, 24, 49, 112 in a, in a, not a long race. And look, any good horse is going to win that race. And not to mention this horse went off at under even money. So, I mean, certainly was well backed in that race. So, 
that horse makes a lot of sense. I understand three to one Morty line. I would be shocked if this horse doesn't show up in the trifecta. But yeah, I, I think you have to go to a horse with a little bit of a better price. Who I think you're going is going to appreciate the more more distance. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Lasix continues. There's a lot of things to like there. Joel Rosario stays on board. Um, you know, DeVoe's winning at 17%. I'm going to use Harlan Estate, who I made a case for last out at a price. And we're getting 12 to 1 again here. Takes the blinkers off. Um, likes the distance. And I think you're going to get a little bit of a price underneath. And this is a horse who shows up a lot, but doesn't win a lot. So I think at a price, Harlan Estate makes a lot of sense underneath. And that's going to be a big play for me is if I can get beatbox on top and Harlan Estate in triple, I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I listen, we've been, we've been with them too long to now go away from the, the son of pioneer, the Nile in beatbox. So that's where I landed. I landed with the 10, 72 on the morning line on top. I think the, a little bit of an extra distance, the extra 16th of a mile, which you mentioned, I think will serve him well, has run well at the fairgrounds. Uh, be interesting if the turf comes up, you know, soft, uh, or anything like that. Uh, because that would be the one concern for me because the last time he ran on a good turf course, uh, he ran up the track at 7-1, uh, and that being at Keeneland last April. But put that aside, uh, so keep an eye on it, just how much moisture the fairgrounds is getting on Saturday. That would be concerning. But if we're going on a, we're and we're handicapping this, that it's going to be a, you know, a, uh, a firm turf course, it, it, if it is, uh, yeah, I'm going to be all over the 10 uh, beatbox at seven to two on the morning line. A horse I kind of like a little bit of as a as a long shot, just because of the races that he's come out of, and that is uh, the five Palazzi uh, for Mark Cassie and Tyler Gaffleone. I mean, this is a horse that ran in up at Woodbine. I get it. Ran in the Singspiel, ran in the Canadian International, uh, the Valid Victory, the JB Colony. I mean, this horse is is running. Group ones, grade ones, and grade threes. Last four races uh, for Cassie. Um, so a little bit of a step down when you're looking at uh, the race on Saturday. Uh, so I, I think he's one that you got to take a look at. I know it's a grade three event, uh, but this is a little bit of a case where uh, there's a reason why this um, there's a reason why this gelding out of Pioneer the Niles in this race. I think he's interesting at fifteen to one on the morning line, but I'm going to go with the ten beatbox on top. I just want to correct myself. I said an extra eighth of a mile to a mile and a sixteenth. Just showing why math isn't my strongest feature. No, I, I corrected you. I said, and I didn't call you out. I said oh, it was like sixteenth of a mile, not an start. Start counting my hands. To, start counting my fingers and my toes to get this right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. You're right. I, um, I think we're both struggling today. I'm sneezing left and right, and you basically almost lost your voice. Well, it's because I have about eight pounds of light cream in my coffee. Get flemmy. Um, the 13th race is the Rachel Alexandra, a mile and a 16th for three, uh, three-year-old Phillies. And two things I want to talk – two things before we get into this race I want to talk to you about. One, answer them both when I'm done. How the hell is VV's dream favored over Alpine Princess? Makes absolutely no sense to me. And I'm going to guess that the horse you like is the outside horse, West Omaha. I do like West Omaha in the race. You're right. That is a Melusa special. Why is that a Melusa special? Well, it's just coming off a really good race. I know you like Brad Cox. I know House doesn't come out of Omaha Beach, but for some reason you've taken a liking to horses that are named Omaha, whether it's the Manning thing or whatever. <laughs> so, as soon as I saw West Omaha and West Omaha wasn't 35 to 1, I'm saying this is the horse that Moose is going to like. Plus, looking at the past performances, certainly has a chance. 
yeah, nine to two on the morning line. Uh, I think it's, I, I, you know, I think it's an improving daughter out of West Coast, uh, you know, and I'll be all over that. Uh, you know, coming out of, uh, you know, the silver bullet day down at the fairgrounds, won that race impressively. Luis Saez uh, stays aboard for a second straight race in a row. Uh, we talked about West Omaha that day, uh, you know, was odds on favorite. Uh, I think I think he's a really really talented daughter. Uh, trained. Who doesn't like Brad Cox? Uh, I get into workouts when we talk about this on the podcast. But yes, I, I do. You know, I was a big fan of Omaha Beach. I do like West Omaha. It has nothing to do with the name. Just a little bit of a coincidence or a quinky dink. Uh, but I'll go with the seven West Omaha nine to two in the morning line. Now going back to my first question about Vivi's Dream and Alpine Princess, I don't even yeah. talk about Intricate who's three to one on the morning line favorite above Alpine princess as well. You know, Alpine princess in the debut ran really well, finished third on debut with 13 to one comes back in her maiden race at Saratoga in September, eight lengths wide with Manny Franco. I mean, talk about an unwinnable scenario. Just those two things in general comes back and wins that race by ahead. Does nothing in the grade one. I understand that it was a big price. You know, if you go back to the, you know, the notes say the horse was fractious at the gate, a lot of good horses in that race, but it's come back. And an off track runs well, wins the untappable on the lead, you know, has success at this track, likes the distance, out of classic empire, bread Cox, Laurent Giroux. And you're getting seven to two on this horse and Vivi's dream is five to two. Who I think that I think that I mean the the obvious answer of Vivi's dream is you're gonna cross out the rags to riches because it was on a sloppy track. And if you cross out the rags to riches on a sloppy track, the the races and the Pocahontas and the Alcibiades uh, at Churchill Downs and Keeneland, respectively, are good enough to win this race. I think that's why you're looking at Vivi's dream being five to two on the morning line, because then coming off of freshening, the workout February 2nd was pretty impressive. Five furlongs at 59 and one. Um, best out of 31 that day. I think it's a case of saying she hated the off track. If you cross that race off, and say, okay, well, she ran that poorly because she just didn't like the moisture in the track, then that's why she's going to be the morning line favorite. But just like we talked about earlier with Beatbox, um, and that's why you got to be, a, you know, pay attention. You can't put the bets in early. You got to see what the track conditions are. Like if, if the track is sloppy Saturday at fairgrounds, for argument's sake, and they get a ton of wet moisture and a ton of rain, uh, then Vivi's dream to me is an automatic cross out. Uh, based on what she did in the slop. I can't just excuse that race and say, well, you know what, maybe she'll be better on Saturday. No, she would be one that I would not be using, even though she's a pretty good, um, you know, buyer speed figure. The horse you'd use if there's a lot of moisture in the track on Saturday uh, that you have to be all over would be the four intricate uh, for Brendan Walsh and Tyler Gaffleone. I mean, the 480 wet number uh, is just really, really, uh, impressive uh, coming out of a nice race at Churchill Downs, the golden rod had a freshening, but that's the horse. I think that if there's a lot of moisture in the track on Saturday, or if the track is uh, muddy, I would not be all that surprised based on those that are looking at the past performances and taking a deep dive in it. Uh, if intricate ends up going postward as your favorite, when the gates open up. Yeah. You know, what's fascinating to me about that is intricate out of gun runner. Gunrunner was relatively flawless, especially as a four and a, you know four year old. But I, I don't remember Gunrunner. I thought Gunrunner struggled in the wet. I mean, remember that in the Haskell, Gunrunner, who we both liked in the Haskell that year, did not run exceptionally well in the slop. And Exaggerator won that race, if you remember. 
we were right. both kicking ourselves for not picking exaggerator that day. So it's a surprise to me that I've seen a lot of gun runners have really high wet numbers. No, that's a good point. That's a fair point. You know, I, I don't know, but then you got to look at the mayor and you got to look at the dam and see there out of distorted humor. I think had a pretty good, uh, you know, complex analysis out of distorted humor. When you look at the, uh, his mom uh, is a, uh, I would, you know, I would think the, the wet track affinity or uh, the likeness of a wet track comes from there, comes from the mom more so than it does come from the sire side. My top pick is going to be Alpine Princess, the five. Um, with the exception of the Alcabides, if I'm even saying that correctly, that's, that's one of those yeah. that I always ask you before. Yeah. The, the, is the Alcabides. Am I, am I saying this correctly? Because it's just it's got a combination of letters that really jumble me. Um, the debut was solid, as I talked about. Love that maiden special win in Sar- at Saratoga. Wins on the off track. You know, wins the untappable. Has shown multiple dimensions. Can rate, can go to the lead. We know how good of a rider Giroux is. We've talked about that. Has been favored the last couple of races. Beat Omaha, West Omaha last out. Um, had some trouble breaking out of the gate that day as well. So I think at 7-2, to two, if you're getting 3.5-1 to one, out of Classic Empire, just a lot of things that I like about this horse um, that, that to me just make a lot of sense. And the fact that this horse is, you know, the third choice on the board is shocking to me. And I'm going to take Alpine Princess as my top pick. You know, I think what you said about Intricate makes a lot of sense. I think, you know... It's tough to take a horse on the stretch out, but I'll be interested to see what the two Pennock does if it's sloppy, who a horse who's like the track, who's like the wet. Um, you know, Loveberry's come here as a, a jockey that typically rides elsewhere and has been okay. So um, could be interesting there. And then we're going to even talk about the inside horse, who's 5-1 to one in the morning line, Tarifa. You know, Brad Cox's horse on the inside, 5-1, to one, a good wet figure, and has won at fairgrounds. So a pretty wide open race, but Alpine Princess is 7-2 will be my top pick. I like that. I could understand that. I, I think you can go in a number of different ways when you're looking uh, at the past performances. I think you certainly go with my top pick, West Omaha, um, Vivi's Dream, Alpine Princess, and Intricate. I think, obviously, and the the morning line would lead you to believe that's where as well. Uh, I think Tarifa is interesting on the inside for Brad Cox and Flavion Pratt. However, she would fall just outside those four that I just mentioned. The top of the stretch is starting now, and that's the 14th race, the last leg of the pick five. Risen all the multi-race exotics, uh, multi-race wagers, and that's the Risen Star grade two event, a mile and an eighth on the dirt for three rolls. Kentucky Derby points on the line here as the fairgrounds gives you plenty of good prep races. And, you know, I, I think this race is wide open. Clearly, the, the morning line odds dictate that as well. Going all the way to the outside, or, or close to all the way to the outside, the eleven track phantom seven to two on the morning line. You know, he's done nothing wrong in the career. Uh, gets Rosario back on board. Asmussen, we talked about him. Speed, um, really. You know, I didn't buy this horse last out, and we both like Nash, and he put Nash away pretty easily. So oh, buried him. You know, tricky race, but there is a horse in this race that does all the things that I like that I'm going to pick. And I'm going to take a stab and think we might be on the same horse here, unless you're on track Phantom, who I'm not on. I really like the eight, Catching Freedom. Uh, for Brad Cox, Ascending Buyers, um, does, you know, buyer speed figures getting better, like I just said, runs well every time, comes off the pace. I think we'll appreciate the edit, you know, appreciate the distance, we'll appreciate the track, um, and a great price at five to one. So you're getting a top trainer, a top rider, top pedigree, getting better. That's my, that's my angle in these three-year-old races is finding the horse that's consistently run well 
but you know, maybe it's kind of staggering a little bit. Find a horse that's getting better, a stock that's going up at a price. And that's the eight catching freedom for me, who I think will sit the trip any speed up there. I think he'll battle with down the stretch. I trust size in the spot. I mean, look, it's only been 10 races and that doesn't include whatever happens today. His size is essentially batting 300 at, at, at fairgrounds. And he's just, he always just shows up in these races He's got a good horse underneath him. Horse has been backed every time. I think Catching Freedom is going to have an eye-opening performance. <clears throat> and we're both choking up today. I'm crying about it. And uh, be dazzling in the Risen Star. Yeah, I landed. Uh, you know, I could understand that. Uh, I'm going to use him underneath when I was handicapping this race. I landed on the four Sierra Leone. Chad Brown, Tyler Gaff-Leone, blinkers on. You're a big proponent of the equipment change. Uh, I think you got to take note of that. Uh, coming off a you know a layoff, first race off of the layoff, uh, you know they spent two point three million dollars on this horse. Think about that, the amount of money that was invested uh, in this son of gun runner. So there are big expectations um, for the owners here. You know, uh, uh, John Manier and and Michael Tabor. Um, you know, for Chad Brown, uh, I could understand if you look at the Remsen, which was not a great race. Uh, you're going to say to yourself, well, it's on a muddy track. Let's see if he can do it on the dry track. Well, we'll all find out together on Saturday. I'm going to take a shot at 4-1 to one on the morning line. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of Gaffleon. I think when you look at it, uh, the 20-point jump in the buyer number, uh, that, could have to, that could have something to do with him just being a two-year-old or it could have something to do with the track. Uh, we'll find out. If there's moisture in the track, I think Sierra Leone is going to benefit from it. If it's not... I still think he's good enough to be really competitive in this race. And I'm going to trust Chad Brown. Um, I just am uh, that, that this horse is ready to go. They obviously liked him when he was in the yearling sale. Um, they thought he was really, really well-bred and talented. And he is uh, out of a heavenly moon mare by Gunrunner, one of our favorites of all time. That's where I landed. I landed on the four Sierra Leone. I'm going to use your top pick. Uh, catching freedom underneath. I'd also use Hall of Fame for Steve Asmussen. Ricardo Santana hops on a board. Joel Rosario rode this horse last race, one by 10 and a quarter lengths. Uh, and that was a maiden special weight to drop off, finally getting out of the uh, main, uh, main special weight ranks uh, into the winner's ranks. Uh, but Asmussen doesn't really throw his horses into the fire just for, you know, blanking giggles. Uh, usually he thinks the horse is doing really well, and he is based on his workouts as well. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, Gunrunner all over the place, the son of Gunrunner out of a Giants Causeway mare uh, in Flag Day. I'm going to use Hall of Fame underneath, and I think you have to use, based on what he has done in his history, the other Asmussen trainee and this other one, and that being Track Phantom. Um, for a long shot play, say if you want to key in some exotics and say you used Monzo and our mind top picks uh, in this race in the Risen Star, uh, one that's always a great long shot play, especially when you come the, to the Triple Crown events, the Belmont, the Preakness, and uh, and obviously the Kentucky Derby. I'm doing that in reverse order. Would be the uh, would be the 12 B dancer, 20 to one on the morning line for Dallas Stewart uh, out of B Jersey, who won the uh, the Met Mile, uh, of, what three four years ago, something of that nature. Uh, but B dancer, Dallas Stewart is a tremendous. Uh, long shot trainer, he really is. So I'd use the 12 sparingly, maybe in that third spot, if you're going to key in some triples and play some numbers, but I would use the 12. I'd include him underneath as well. I love everything you said with the analysis of the race. You know, Sierra Leone, just 
such oddly ridden. Le- I mean, I understand why the horse was taken back. They were flying up front in the slop, and Ortiz made a big move. I just don't know what to expect from this horse. That's why. I mean, I think the horse certainly is could be the most talented horse in the field. Gets a, the third new rider in three tries again. Out of gun runner makes a lot of sense. I'm going to use underneath. It just I didn't feel confident in the pick because I don't know what to expect. Like I think I know what to expect with catching freedom. The horse is going to okay. sit back a couple lengths off the lead. He's going to make a move at the top of the stretch. Sierra Leone could could go to the lead. Sierra Leone could sit back. Sierra Leone could be twelve lengths off the lead. So I just couldn't comfortably predict the scenario the horse would be in. Well, I think with the blinkers going on, I think he's going to be a little bit more forwardly placed. That lead would lead me to believe that the horse is sitting so far off of it because it's lacking focus. The blinkers will help the focus, not looking around all over the place and get the attention. Um, and I think it's, you know, a well-intentioned, well-bred, um, very, very expensive yearling uh, that is now making his third race off of his career. The workouts say that he's ready to go. The breeding would lead you to believe that, you know, the mile and eight distance on Saturday at the fairgrounds is not going to be an issue whatsoever. Um, and it's Chad Brown, it's Tyler Gaffleone. But I understand what you're saying. It I think I think the equipment change leads you to believe that he is not going to be as as far off of the pace as he has been in the past. Moose, you've been on a little bit of a roll here on the podcast, so wishing you the absolute best of luck. Yeah, who's your top play of the day on Saturday? Uh, my top play of the day. That's, let's go back here and take a, a look. I'll go first. I really like, I really like Alpine Princess. Uh, okay. Alexandra. I just think that not getting the respect on the Maury line, getting better, likes the track, 7-2. to two, I'm in. Yeah, my top play, I'm going to go to the one I, I think it's time we all cash in on it. And if you've been playing with us along on the Betting the Ponies podcast is the 10 beatbox um in the 12th at the fairgrounds on saturday as long as there's not significant moisture down in louisiana where that is a you know soft turf course that would be the thing that would be concerning if it's a relatively firm turf course i think the extra distance is going to hit them right between the eyes uh the son of pioneer of the nile rosario back aboard for a third straight race that's my top play of this uh of the day on saturday I'll have rolling daily doubles going throughout the day. So if that one hits, I'll be very happy. Nice. Love it. All right, Moose. Enjoy your weekend. Best of luck. Make sure to listen, subscribe, like the podcast, all those things. Like we ask you, we appreciate it. Spotify and Apple. Subscribe on both. You know, why not? Yeah, so why not? Yeah, that's exactly right. Like and subscribe. We love doing the podcast for you each and every week. We love, talk, love talking a little horse racing and make sure uh, to support us. And we appreciate it. Moose, best of luck. We'll talk to you next time. This is Betting the Ponies right here on the Bet Rivers Network. We'll see. Thanks for listening to Betting the Ponies on the Bet Rivers Network.